morning, everybody. Uh, go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Nice to see all of your smiling faces out there. And some bleary eyes. You know, they, they always had that saying, you know, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. For me, it was always kind of more like bright-tailed and bushy-eyed. You know, Leonard Ravenhill said that uh, his bed was never more comfortable than when his alarm went off in the morning. <laughs> I thought, boy, that's the truth. Of course, then, as, as only as only Leonard Ravenhill can, then he is like, but get up anyway. It's like, time to pray. You know, so It's funny how somebody who has you know, such a high voice and such perfect diction can just make you want to crawl under a, a boulder and hide yourself. So anyway, uh, Jesus, we just thank you for um, everything that you've blessed us with, done for us. Uh, God, for your word. God, for the, the gift of faith. God, to, to accept you and the, the free salvation that you've offered. God, and the, the, the faith to, to walk out every day after that. God, and the, the, the hope that we have laid up for us in heaven. God, today... I just pray for every heart in this place, God, that, that our ears will be open to hear what you have to say to us, God, that uh, you would speak to us exactly uh, what you would say, God, that that, uh, that we would receive, Lord God, uh, uh, God, we, we recognize our need this morning, God, you know, not, we're not like the, the Laodicean church uh, feeling that we have need of nothing, God, we understand that we need you this morning, we, we need you to... Uh, to get through the day, we need you to get through the service. God, we just are looking to you. God is that author and finisher of our faith. God, and I just pray this morning that your anointing would bring forth your word as, as only you can. And that the needs of our souls would be met by you. And we just pray it and ask it in your righteous name. Amen. Amen. We've been getting together with, uh, with Fred every week and praying at the office which is a far better use of our time than cold calling people that don't want to talk to us in the first place. Um, and, uh, um, you know, Fred came in the other day. He's like, you know, we're not like the church at Laodicea. Like, you know, we, we recognize that we need God. We, we need Him today. And I was like, that's right. <laughs> like, man, that's what I'm talking about. Um, you know, the thing is about, and you know, we've been talking a lot lately about faith and about our thought process. And uh, it's interesting to me how those things mingle and how they, how they intertwine because your thought process can get you in a lot of trouble and your thought process can keep you out of trouble. Uh, but by the same token... Uh, when you're in a spiritual battle, you can't just think your way through it either. So, uh, faith is a really interesting commodity because it grows. Uh, you know, first of all, you know, God gives it to us. It, it's both a, a gift of the Spirit and it's a fruit of the Spirit. And so He gives us this faith and it grows, but we can't really monitor it as far as how it's growing. 
You know, there's uh, there's no dipstick that that shows you how your faith is doing particularly. Uh, and when you when you try and grab hold of it, it's it's like it's like trying to grab a hold of of mist. You know. Uh, so, uh, you know, the the interesting thing is that um, you know faith has you know everything to do with what you what you believe about God, what you think about God, what you know what what is your thought process lead you to uh, when when you uh, when you consider the Word of God, when you consider how how God relates to to you in your everyday life. Um, and as we've said before, you know, faith expects good from God. And and that should be our expectation. Um, we you know God has has never given anyone in this place a reason to think that He would give them something that's not good, that He would do them wrong, He would do them ill. Um, you know, there's this great bluegrass song, and I, and I love how they break all the grammar rules because He says He ain't never done me nothing but good. That's got so many negatives in it. It's like you're only supposed to have one. But, you know, he ain't never done me nothing but good. It has a way better ring to it than he, he has never done me anything but good. It's just not quite the same. I mean, you have to sing that with your pinky out, I think. But uh, but it's true as we all look back over our lives. It's like, he ain't never done me nothing but good. It's like, you know, fine. You know, I, I would love to have somebody come up and tell me a story of how God led them into disaster and, and gave them, you know, uh, gave them something bad, you know that that uh, like you know you ask God for something and he and he you know gives you like the the jalapeno candy, you know and and then laughs at you while you're like ha ha, you know God's not like that. That that's that's what that's what doubt expects from God though, like well he's you know God's probably just waiting for just the right moment to jump out of the shadows and scare me and. And, uh, uh, you know, I had an uncle that uh, uh, worked in the coal mines in Wyoming. And uh, when they would come out to Kansas to visit, like, he always kept the house really dim because his eyes were really sensitive to the lights and stuff. And, uh, and it was, you know, kind of dim lighting in the place where they worked. And, then, and of course, you know, as all of you married women know, uh, all grown men are just eight and just in varying degrees of eightness, and um, so if you have a bunch of men working together in a, uh, a place with lots of you know corners and alcoves and shadows, of course you're going to jump out and scare the heck out of each other. That's just part of you know being a guy. And uh, and my, my I remember my parents telling me it's like do not jump out and scare your uncle Ron. He will hit you. Before he even thinks, he will turn around and hit you in the face. He might miss because you're short, but uh, but don't. But you know, doubt kind of has that that God being the boogeyman kind of expectation. Uh, so so here in Hebrews 10, he uh, he uses a really interesting phrase here. I'm just going to read this passage. I'm going to start in 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. 
For you have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. <coughs> Excuse me. So, um, you know, uh, everybody's familiar with this phrase, you know, the just shall live by faith. Um, and you know, it appears at least four times uh, in the Bible that I could find. Of course, the first time is in Habakkuk. And it has a sense of, of humility that God requires because it said his, he that his soul is lifted up in him. Uh, uh, I forget how it goes now. But but it talks about the sense of, of needing to have humility before the Lord. It says that the just shall live by faith. And then, of course, in Romans chapter 1, he uh, uh, Paul is, is quoting that passage. And, uh, and, and again in Galatians 3, he quotes, he quotes it again. Just shall live by faith, and, and and he's talking about the sense of righteousness by faith as opposed to works or, or your actions, and, and becoming righteous by your own merit. Uh, but here he uses it again, and and it's kind of seems different to me uh, the the context that he uses it in, because uh, he says now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So, so he's not talking here about uh, being justified by faith as far as um, you know, God seeing you as as righteous because He's conferred His righteousness on you and all that. But he's talking about this sense of trust. Uh, he's talking about really about faith here. He says, "The just shall live by faith." But if any man draw back, and so this word "draw back" is like. Uh, just what it sounds like, like this a sense of fear or timidity that that would that would hang back or withhold or withdraw and um, you know the thing is is God puts us in places in life where where there's no real way to go but forward, and as the song says, I've come too far to look back, and so um you know, uh, God is, is really good at putting his people in a place where he knows that you would go back if you could. It's like, wow, this is kind of hard. This is not what I signed up for, I thought. And so I would love to go, you know, go back. You know, Keith Green wrote this great song called So You'll Want to Go Back to Egypt. And uh, uh, it's, it's quite amusing. But... Um, but God closed the Red Sea behind them. They could not go back to Egypt, uh, no matter how much they would have liked to have. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, God led them on, and they had to they had to keep moving because uh, whenever the cloud moved, they had to move. So they couldn't just stay where they were. So God's very wise in how He does that because He He gives you um, a choice. You, know, you, you of course have free will to choose whatever you want, but but God's really good at, at kind of giving putting you in this place where you really do sort of only have one option that, that's really a, a viable option. Um, so I'm, I was reading this this passage yesterday and thinking it's interesting. The just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. 
but uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever gone with somebody to uh, something really fun, like maybe I don't know, say an amusement park, for example. You know, some people are not roller coaster people. Some people are. I love them. I think they're awesome. I I, I enjoy having the bejesus scared out of me, feeling like I'm going to fly out of this thing and die. It's just it's fun. You know, and there's always this sense of trepidation with it, like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? You get in the thing, and they like lower the little things down over you, and they lock, and you're thinking, what am I doing? And then they give you that big, long hill to think about it. Um, you know, we went on this great roller coaster over the uh, uh, last year at Silver Dollar City that doesn't give you, it gives you, you have stairs you have to walk up to to think about it. Because the ride actually starts out way up high, like 10 stories tall, and then starts out with a 90-degree drop that just goes down 10 stories while the car turns sideways. It's awesome. But, you know, when you have those kinds of experiences and you think they're awesome and you know or you think you know that somebody else would just love this experience, it's, you know, you, you want it, to, it's, it's like, man, I can't believe you don't want to do this. You know, and, um, you know, or, uh, I mean, even something maybe a little less extreme, like, man, this is really good. You should try this, you know, and they're looking at it at your plate like, uh, no, it's like, oh, come on, you'd love it. And you that know me, you're thinking, yeah, I've had that conversation with you. But, um, uh, but, you know, God has this, this like grand adventure for us. He has... Yeah, and the great thing about you know going back to the uh, the roller coaster example is that it's within reason, uh, it's perfectly safe for the most part. Obviously, accidents happen, but it's it's perfectly safe. Although you feel like you might die, it, it's terrifying, and that's the idea. Uh, we went on this one at Silver Dollar City where it has this corkscrew at the end, and it actually goes through the tracks um, of a different part of the coaster, and you feel like you are going to just have your head taken off going through this thing while you're, you know, doing this little number. And uh, it's awesome. Completely awesome. And it actually, it gave me flashbacks of when I was 16 and I I, I totaled my car the first day I had my driver's license. Actually, I was 17, but no, not 16. But yeah, because I... Uh, the first day I had my driver's license, I managed to get my car airborne and spiraled into a creek. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, so, yeah, but, you know, and so, I don't know, there's something about, about being terrified and yet being safe at the same time that is, is exciting to some people, like me. But, um, you know, life is like that. You know, God has, he has this path for us to walk. He has this adventure for us. And he's like, you're going to love this. Just go for it. You know, and, and it feels like, yeah, but if I step out there, I might die. And, and God says, no, you're not going to die. I'm right here. It's like, do you think that I would let you die? It's like, well, you, you died. It's like, but then I came back, right? It's like, you're going to be fine. So, um, but it's interesting here because he says here in verse 39, he says, but we're not of those who draw back unto perdition or destruction, 
but to them which believe to the saving of the soul. So, so there's the sense of of stepping out in faith and and believing that that you're going to be okay. And it doesn't have to be some like crisis event like you know the 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 immediacy or the urgency of like this roller coaster type experience. It could just be everyday life. It's like, am I really going to be okay? Is God really going to get me to the end of the road? Is He really like surely? <coughs> excuse me. Surely somewhere between here and there, um, you know, I, I'm going to mess something up or and or and somehow fall through the cracks. And you know, God must He probably doesn't have any kind of plan in place in case this happens. You know, and 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 so I'm going to fall through the cracks and, and, and God's going to forget about me and I'm going to die and perish and then He's going to forget about me altogether. It sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. But it's how we think sometimes. And so, um, and so you know, the thing is, is faith is, is not something that you can just kind of and, and flex it, you know. Um, but it does take a decision of this is it, it, so it begins in your thought process of well I'm I'm going to trust God I'm going to to rest in the things that He has to say to me and and I'm going to choose to believe them uh, no matter how things may appear to me but I think this is a really interesting scripture because because he he says here that. Uh, he talks about drawing back um, that can put you in this place of uh, being headed for destruction. And, and of course, we don't want that. Um, and so, so he puts the sense of faith kind of as a uh, up against the sense of, of, uh, of fear and, and falling back into uh, to destruction. Go with me over to... Matthew chapter 14. I was reading this yesterday and I was like, man, that's a scary thought, isn't it? It's like, because we, you know, we, we hold on to God by faith and uh, it, it's, it's not a currency by which you get something from God. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, he he told he says in James to to you know, ask in faith, nothing doubting. You know, but um, you know we we feel like that that sense of of doubt that I was talking about. It feels like well, I I I might die, I might perish, I might fail at this because I I don't know how this is going to work. Uh, and so here in in Matthew 14, this is one of my favorite stories uh, in in the Bible. <coughs> I'm gonna start in uh, in verse 22. And uh, of course, this is after uh, Jesus feeds the multitudes with the uh, uh, with the bread and the fish. And uh, I heard someone say once that it's like, you know, if Jesus fed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fish, imagine what he could do with a little bit of hard work and determination. (laughs) 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 
You know, but and and I love that story too because um, uh, it's not not here not here in uh, in Matthew 14, but in one of the other places where he talks about feeding the multitudes. Uh, Jesus asked the disciples, "How are we going to do this?" And it says he said it to test them because he knew what he was going to do. And uh, so, um, you know, that's that's the great thing about being clued into the game plan. Sometimes we don't know what God's going to do, and sometimes He lets us kind of find out as we go. So in uh, in verse 22 it says, "Straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get in the ship." And I like that he says constrained. Yeah, because if you're constraining somebody to do something, you're kind of forcing them to to do it because they don't want to. Exactly, as, as Levi used to say, "Don't want it." Yeah, it didn't matter what you said if he didn't want to. It didn't. It didn't matter if, if you know it was something and it or not. Like, don't want it. Like, hey, Levi, you want to watch a show? Don't want it. Of course, that never happened, but. Um, yeah, want some chocolate milk? Don't want it. And then if you pushed him and he got mad, he was like, "Don't want it." <laughs> so he's too much fun. Okay, so straight away Jesus constrained his disciples to get in the ship because, of course, these guys could look at the sky. You know, I mean, these guys are semi-professional sailors. And I, I, or you know, fishermen and stuff. And I say semi-professional because you know you can read and see that Peter was not that great at it. And, but like I have any room to talk. If, you know, it's like if I were to go fishing, it's like, hey, hand me that bait. I'd be like, Ugh. You know, it's like, Ugh, it's got worms and gook and stuff. It's like, hey, help me get this fish off the hook. No, thank you. Like nature, get it off me. But <laughs> you know, we're watching this movie last night, and, and uh, these guys are like, the kids are all going camping, and Levi's like, I want to do something like that. I'm like, sleep in a bag <laughs> on the ground? What? Are you kidding? I should have told him there's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> that would have. He would have been like, never mind, I'm good. <laughs> Straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get in the ship. Of course, these guys could see that the weather was not hot and uh, didn't, didn't particularly want to get out on the, on the, on the water. There was many a time when uh, I worked for Kevin where I... I'd pull into this neighborhood that we were working in all the time, and, the, and there was this flag. And I would always watch the flag when I drove by. We were going to be working outside, and it would just be standing straight out doing this. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a bad day. It's going to be a long day. I remember some times, like, clinging to my ladder, like, hoping that it didn't just slide off the house. I'm like, peace, be still. But, but uh, anyway. So, straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent them away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the middle of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. You know, the really great thing about him walking on the water is he didn't make this huge production out of it. 
It's just that was the only way to get there. Uh, I have this great painting uh, in my office at home that it shows uh, Jesus walking out onto the water, and like you can just they, they did such a good job. It, like the picture looks like it's alive. It's like this, you can just see his clothes flapping and his hair blowing back away from his face as he's walking into the wind out on the water, and uh, uh, and then. Uh, and it says, uh, it's got that scripture from Isaiah 42 in it, that when you come to the waters, I'll be with you. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, he, you know, he walks out here on the sea to get to them because he, re- he realized that they, they were going to need him to get through this, this experience. And so, uh, you know, he put them in the boat, right? And he sent them out. And, uh, and now... The uh, the ship is in the midst of the sea and tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And uh, doesn't that happen in life? It's like you, you get out in your little boat and you're going along, and it's like the winds are contrary. It's like, but but they and they didn't take it as oh we must have missed God somewhere because the wind is contrary. I mean they they were definitely thinking we might die out here, but. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we get really superstitious about having the wind go contrary against us. You know, because we take it as, oh, I must have done something wrong or something's not right here. Whereas oftentimes you can take it as a sign you're going the right direction. Because, of course, God will he, he, you know, he'll bless your path. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's just going to, you know, uh, you know, Put you in the big old one of those old school wash tubs and you know scrub the heck out of you and then put you through those little roller things and squeeze the heck out of you. Um, not saying that that's what he's going to do to you, but um, you know it's 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 interesting to go through an experience that makes you afraid if you're with somebody that's not afraid, uh, or um, maybe not even afraid. Just you know if you're uncomfortable with something, it's like isn't it doesn't it feel better to have somebody that's comfortable? With you, you know, I, I love it. Uh, it's like you know, we all go through experiences where you just kind of have to remind yourself this is going to be okay. You know, I, I like flying; it's fun, um, but I don't do it very often. And last, uh, it's really funny. Last time we were flying, uh, there's just something very unsettling when like the plane leaves the ground and then it kind of kind of starts doing this little number and it kind of starts tilting up. It's just, it's just unsettling because you're thinking, here I am sitting on this, like, bomb. <laughs> and, uh, and here we are over this major metropolitan area and we could just crash into it and explode into an inferno. But it's like, well, no, this can be okay. And then you just relax and enjoy yourself. So life is like that. But, uh, you know, you're like going over statistics in your head. It's like you're more likely to get killed in a car accident than you are flying on a plane. And I've ridden with some people that I thought, my time has come. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when his disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. 
But straightway Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer, it's I. Be not afraid. Boy, isn't that, isn't that a great feeling when you're in that moment of this is not going how I had hoped it was going to go? And you know, it, and it, again, it doesn't have to be some crisis going down the roller coaster moment. This is just this can just be life. Just an everyday Tuesday can feel like this. And and there and there is Jesus, and uh, uh, right there in the in the middle of of where you are. And and if he has to walk on water to get to where you are, if he knows that 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 you need him to show up now, because he knows when you need him to show up more than you do. Because uh, we'd all like him to show up like five minutes ago, or or to have maybe just you know have been apparently there the entire time. You know, just kind of follow him onto the ship and like, oh, this is going to be great, you know. And uh, uh, But he, he knows that these kind of moments are good for us. It's like, okay, so now I'm out on the boat and this is a really bad storm and I know enough about boats and storms to know that this is not good. And uh, But then Jesus shows up and he says, be of good cheer. And I love that because... Um, there's a there's a sense of focusing on on God and on His goodness that that uh, that, that we that we do. It's like okay, so I'm in this tough spot, um, and I can think back to the Word of God. And it's like, well, what would Jesus say to me right this moment? It's like, well, be of good cheer. Okay, and kind of pushing up at the corners of your mouth, like oh. I'm feeling really cheery. <laughs> Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come out to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, boisterous or strong, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said, Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Uh, And, you know, everybody knows this story. And and we always focus on Peter getting his eyes off Jesus and onto the waves, and then he sank. And that's, that's true. That's absolutely right. But he was walking on water because Jesus told him to come, and he came because he he didn't draw back and stay in the boat and think eh, I think I think the things were bad enough he probably thought he was safer standing out on the water with Jesus than he was in the boat but but my point is is he was in perfect safety standing on the waves with Jesus because Jesus told him to come and he even asked Jesus he's like tell me to come if it's you and we do that, don't we? Yeah. It's like it's like God, I I want to I want to be closer to you. I want to trust you. I want to believe you. And, and then we expect fairy dust. We just we just think God's gonna be like, be thou faith, you know. And we're and we're just gonna be like, you know, everything that happens to us, we're just gonna be like, ah, oh, God's got it all under control. No big deal. But it doesn't work that way. We 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 build this this sense of faith gets built by. Having it tried and having it stretched, and you know, like I said earlier, it's like, you know, I said faith isn't something you can just 
flex it and, and, and see how big it is, but it really does build just like a muscle does because when you, when you have, if you're trying to build muscle, you have to actually stress it quite a bit and, and, and actually tear it up and then have it rebuilt. And that's what God does. We go through these things where it feels like our faith is falling apart and, it's like, and we feel like we couldn't believe God to fight our way out of a wet paper bag. And, and yet God is bringing us to that place because he's building our faith. And, and, and he brings us to this place of having a testimony of, wow, God brought me through. And I couldn't have fought my way out of a wet paper bag, but he came and rescued me. And, and I was hoping that he would just pluck me out of the moment, but instead uh, I kept punching at the wet paper bag and, and miraculously it began to tear and, and, I, and I came out of the bag because God led me through the wet paper bag thing. And then we have this testimony that, wow, I, I was trapped in a wet paper bag and I couldn't get out. <laughs> and then we meet somebody else trapped in a wet paper bag. And they're, you know, punching feebly at the bag. And it's like, well, hey, you know what? God has a way out of the wet paper bag. Because I was trapped in the wet paper bag and God got, got me out of the wet paper bag. And I'm not going to say wet paper bag again. <laughs> Starting to sound funny now. But the other thing that I really want to focus on here in, in Matthew is that, you know, we always, everybody looks at this story like it's some great failure on Peter's part. But nobody else got out of the boat. Nope, no, nobody else was uh, had the boldness or the chutzpah, since they were Jews, to say, you know, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come out there. And and then he did. And then the other thing that um, I think we miss in the story, because it's kind of something you have to read between the lines and infer, but it says when they were coming to the ship. So... If he if he walked out there to where Jesus was, and Jesus picked him up, he would have had to have walked back with him. I, I doubt Jesus gave him a piggyback ride back to the boat. I'm sure he picked him up and he walked back to the boat. And he, so he did this. Im, so he did this impossible thing because because he was and, and and he he could he could have faith that the water would hold him up because he was acting on Jesus's orders. Because he said he, he he prayed. He was like, "Tell me if it's you. Tell me to come." So Jesus said, "Well, come on then." So it's like, "Well, okay." So Jesus told me to come out on the water. I'm not going to sink. Jesus told me to come out on the water. This is going to be fine. And then, of course, when uh, when Jesus uh, you know rescues him, um, I, I love it because he doesn't he doesn't um, he doesn't wait around. He doesn't tell Peter, well, you know, here you are. You, you know, you told you, you wanted to come out here. Now here you are. Now you can't cut it. Now, now you're, you know, sinking in the water. Well, you know, it's like, it's like, well, you know, if you, you confessed, I can't stand on water. I can't help you, you know. And you know, Mike and I met this guy once at this conference that. Uh, uh, he was like dead serious. He's like, you got to be very careful what you say. It's like, you know, because if you if you confess that you've got this, that, and the other thing, God can't fix it. And, and he was as serious as a heart attack. And I was like, All right, what? It's like, what kind what kind of God is that? It's like, give me a break. So you know, Jesus 
you know, what I like here is it's like Jesus saved him first. Picked him up. He rescued him from sinking in the water first. Because it's not like he had a lot of time. I kind of picture this like almost like a cartoon, you know, where it's like he's standing there on the water. And kind of like, oh, man. And you know how like you see the cartoons where all of a sudden the character realizes that they're standing on nothing. And they just, you know, that's kind of how I imagine this. No. I mean, it says beginning to sink. I don't know. Maybe it was kind of like, oh, this isn't working so well. I don't know. Maybe I, uh, Lord save me. You know. Maybe it was more one of those moments. I don't know. But but either way, Jesus plucked him out of that that place where he was going to perish, and and, and he rescued him. And then he's like, he's like, come on, man. He's like, why did you not believe me? And and uh, uh, and you probably know this, but this, this uh, little faith is is one word in the Greek, and and it's. Uh, um, and Jesus uses it several times throughout the, um, you know, throughout the Gospels, um, and uh, like when he talks in Matthew six about you know whether or not God's going to take care of you. It's like you know, if God clothes the, you know, the lilies and and all that stuff. You know, surely not much more clothe you, oh you of little faith. It's the same word. Uh, and I like the way the Youngs put this because he says, he said, oh you, he 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 actually just calls him like little faith. It's like it doesn't say O U of. It's just like it's like little faith. For what did you waver? It's like what 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 made you waver off of uh, of trusting that that you were going to be okay? Because I I told you to come out here, didn't I? You know. But the great thing is, is he he gets it. You know. He it's not that he is is. Uh, uh, it's not that he doesn't understand. The book of Hebrews says that we have a high priest that that you know he knows all of our infirmities. He he knows what it's like to experience all these things. Um, and so, uh, the 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 interesting thing about the sense of faith, though, the sense of like you know whether I I'm drawing back or I'm or I'm stepping out to believe God, you know. It comes down to the sense of faith, and it, and and it's like and that thought process of well, what do I think God would do if I if if I were to uh, step out there? Do do I think that God would would let me just you know go, or or do I think he would he would uh, uh, he would hold me up? And you know, what if I did it wrong? Would he just think well, too bad? And let me sink in the water, or would he rescue me? You know, and and if, uh, if if I needed him, would he be there, or 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 not? Of course he would be. And and so that's that that's the thing, you know. But there there comes this place where, you know, because there in Hebrews ten he said, you know, we're not of those that that draw back unto perdition, unto destruction, but but we believe to the saving of the soul because. Um, you know, if, if you're wrestling with with doubt and you're and you're and God is working you through those things and 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 giving you those testimonies of you know I I will take care of you I will get you through you know that that's one thing, um, but our thought process can lead us into a place where we just refuse to believe that God would take care of us that we just refuse to believe that God is on our side and that every Everything that we hear from the Word of God somehow becomes something that is that is an accusation 
against us. And uh, and and the devil will do that to you. Don't don't get don't misunderstand me, please. But because he will definitely come at you that way. But there there comes this point where we have to stand on what God told us, and we have to decide we're going to believe Him as opposed to what we uh, hear, think, see, or feel. Because um, uh, if, if you just if you keep refusing to believe what God has to say to you, then there comes this place where the Word of God can't, it doesn't affect you anymore. It doesn't bring faith to you anymore. And, and it's like, uh, you know, and, and that's, I'm not saying that that's like a something you come to quickly kind of moment. That's something that, you know, God's going to work with you and work with you and work with you on. But, but I was reading that and I thought, man, I, I, I was just thinking of this, this story in Matthew. It's like here Peter, he didn't draw back. He stepped out there and, and he needed rescued and God rescued him. And so, um, but but that sense of of our thought process bringing us to a conclusion that that we really can must and should trust God is is a is a really important place. You know, I, I just I always look back at my life and think, man, God, I'm, I'm really wrestling with how this is going to turn out. But you have never once given me any reason to believe that things are not going to turn out okay. You've never once left me hanging or let me down. And there's stuff that I've waited on, and there's stuff I'm still waiting on, but but uh, you ain't never done me nothing but good, like the song says. So, so God, I just I pray uh, for every every heart, God, that 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 faith to the the, the that believing to the saving of the soul would would grow up in every one of us. God, you said that that you gave us the faith to trust you in the first place. God, and, and that that faith is something that grows out of your spirit being in us. God, and I just I pray that you would plant these things. God, it's uh, I, I I don't feel like I've adequately explained what what I'm trying to say, but I am trusting you, God, that that you know how to plant these things and to to bring that sense of of clarity and increase, God. And what I pray is that uh, no one's faith would fail them. God, that, that that sense of, of fear and drawing back uh, would would be something that we would leave behind, God, and, and trust you in the things that you call us to, Lord God. Uh, God, walking, uh, uh, stepping out in, in faith, God, is just like Peter stepping out on the water. God, something that that we would look at it with our eyes and say it could not be done, and, and yet it, it, it was done, God, and... Uh, you know how to do those things in each and every one of us, God. Now I just I pray today for every need in this place, God. Every every heart that is crying out to you uh, for whatever it is that they need, God. You are that great meter of needs, God. And God, just like the the woman with the issue of blood that that forced her way through the crowd to touch you, God. I pray that we would make up our mind today that we're going to touch you. God, because you're passing by this way, God, and you you want us to touch you and, and get that that virtue flowing out of you, and God, we just we pray that you would do those things in us today, in the name of Jesus, God. I just I pray that for a, a just a sense of of uh, faith and confidence in you to to come on every heart in this place, a sense of expectation 
of, of having come into this place to receive from you, that that is indeed what will happen. And we just ask it and pray it in your holy, righteous name. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.